Hello and welcome to the very Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, the podcast all about board games, board games and the people who love board games. Today we've got two board games and two humans. Myself, Mr. Matt, and the other human, Mr. Tom. We are the board games and the humans we're joined with today yeah. are Gods of Atlantis 2 and Llama Land. That's like a Twilight Zone style twist. And then the, the <laughs> humans are actually the board games. That's not the Twilight I feel like you would be... Thing. I don't know whether you would be Guards of Atlantis or Llama Land in this equation. I'm definitely Llama Land. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Look at me, Tom. Yeah, that's there fair. Was a time, that's fair. There was a time when I would have been perhaps a Guard of Atlantis, <laughs> but today I am 100% Llama Land. <laughs> it's, you've still got time. You can still oscillate, but for me, I am 100% fuzzy and goofy and... Oh? Whereas I'm I'm team based. Well, you just look like you you're you're stout, full of vigor. Oh. You look like you could fight someone. Yeah. Um. You look like you could defend Atlantis. Yeah. Because I don't feel I feel like I'm just waiting for my next meal and somebody's going to shave me. To be honest, that does sound like a much more preferable existence. You'll get there. Just being a little we all get there. <laughs> if we're lucky, we all turn into fuzzy, useless, brain dead uh, animals. Um, at if some you point. grind hard enough, if you hustle hard enough, <laughs> if you sign up for my pay-per-view course, you can become yeah, a little a llama. Little llama. If you keep hustling, you'll burn out just as hard as me, and then you'll be <laughs> fluffy and useless and staring at things, and people won't be sure that you're sentient. So those are the two board games we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about Guards yep. of Atlantis 2, Guards of Atlantis Boogaloo, and Llama Land which is a kind of, it's not a follow-up, but I want to say it's a follow-up to Baron Park, just because it's its both shapes and uh, animals. And that, to me, mm-hmm. feels like that's that's pretty much a direct sequel, surely. <laughs> it's another installment in the, in the rich vein of games that have shapes and animals yeah, in them. It's Phil Walker-Harding's Animal-Verse. He's, he's done it again by expanding the Animal-Verse with even more animals. So, Guards of Atlantis 2. I haven't played the first one, so I don't know what happened with the story. So really, found the whole thing very confusing. But basically, <laughs> Guards of Atlantis 2 is a Mowbray thing in a big old box. Now, if you don't know what a Mowbray is, then, well, I don't really know where to start. League of Legends, uh, Dota 2, one of lots of little free mobile phone games that you might have played. They're basically games. Pokemon Unite. Pokemon Unite. I'm 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 glad that you found the time to squeeze in a message of peace to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I really would rather we avoided that sort of thing. But no, you're right. Pokemon Unite. Yes. Come on, just stop it. All right. The shape of these games is pretty consistent. You usually have a variety of different like lanes and little minion enemies that walk along them, bashing things effectively caught in some sort of Sisyphean curse. They're just going to constantly keep battling each other, making no progress at all while they infinitely respawn and fight each other. But that's where you come in as players, trying to push these lanes back and forth, get past horrible towers that blast you with stuff, and fighting each other and moving around this big old map, leveling up. They are incredibly fun, but also incredibly addictive and have the capacity to make you feel incredibly (laughs) empty and sad inside. If, for instance, you play them for maybe thousands of hours and yes. uh, and then realise you have to stop, which is something that both me and Tom have experience with, right? I was going to say, only fools would do such a thing. <laughs> yes. But no, both of us have sunk thousands of hours into the Dota's 2, yeah. the sequel to the Dota 1. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my goodness, I spent so many hours in that game. But now it's available on a tabletop. Yeah. So we were really basically. excited about this because of the fact that one of the things that's great about board games is they do not have the capacity to be as addictive as video games. And I think that's really cool because it means you can have the same yeah. sort of fun, but you're not going to be like, oh, now this is all I'm doing. Like, I'm just playing this board game all the time and help. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah. So, so effectively, that is guards of atlantis 2 you have a board where you each pick a hero character and then you go up against another team and it is a team-based game we tried to play this game to get a, a gist of it 1v1 with both of us controlling two characters at the same time and it wasn't much fun um <laughs> to be honest just because no, it was mostly an exercise in learning the rules i think yes together. it was it, we just it, sort it of got our was. eye in but we realized that a lot of the game much as with the counterparts of these things that you get on on computer devices is that sense of like have you got that synergy have you got that sense of like can we both land something nice mm -hmm. together and the fact that communication is free but completely open to the table um really does yes. add some spice to that and the fact that you can very clearly plan with the other player but everything has to be audible to everybody which mm -hmm. leaves you leaning more towards just hoping that things are going to pan out in the way that <laughs> you feel like they might, which is, again, that's that's kind of the magic of those games, really, is that that moment where you're, you're both wobbling around at the edges and you think, I think we should do this, and then they've thought the same thing, and you both do it, and it goes really well, and you go, oh, yeah, this is the best. But then you have the moments where that doesn't happen, and it's the worst. Yeah, I want to cut straight into one of the things that this game has most in common with MOBAs and is maybe one of the most frustrating things about it as a new player, which is that <laughs> I think that to play this game properly, you need to understand a lot of its quite Byzantine sort of synergies and combos and who you're playing with at any given time. It felt like in the game that we played, we picked some slightly characters that maybe were a little bit too hard for us as as complete beginners, but I was lost in terms of like how I could possibly cooperate with Matt's character, yeah. who was like a complete different beast to mine, let alone how to counter the other people around the table whose characters were also just these like, I don't know what's going on. One of them's a bear. I guess he can do some big hits. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> We got our head around the bear quite quickly. Uh, in yes. the fact that the bear just did big hits and was incredibly dangerous. And the game really yeah. started to turn around for us at the point that we realized, maybe let's just not stand next to the bear. Um, <laughs> and I think it took us too long to realize that. But yeah, I, I think that that's true. I think that this is a gigantic box, but actually there's not as much in it as you'd expect. Um, in fact, yes. a lot of the box is taken up by... Um, and I don't mind this, if I'm honest. It's a bit ridiculous, mm -hmm. but I don't mind the fact that you've got all these little like trays each of which have the characters and then on top of the characters having a little like another translucent cover for the box that then has the cards for that character above the character so it means that when you open up the box you can pull out all of these things and you can just see little artworks for all of the different characters that you can play as and you know that you can take that little deck of cards and the miniature will be just underneath it in that box i think that actually it's that's quite clean it makes it quite easy to pack away afterwards um, which is good for something like this, because if it was hellish to unpack and find all the bits, I don't see when you'd ever get it to the table. Yeah. Imagine how much smaller this game would be, though, if it yeah. was standees in the little Gloomhaven style envelope boxes. You would, This game would be so small. Yeah. But instead, because it has these miniatures that have to lie in sort of in relief in these big, deep set trays, the box is like a cube. It's yes. huge. It's a big, um, big box. For, 
And the game has 22 characters. It has, it, it just has loads of them. Um, and that's kind of where the depth and the complexity comes is from like learning all of these characters. And that's where a lot of the excitement comes from. I think both of us were like opening all these characters and going like, oh, this guy looks cool. Oh, have you seen this person? Like looking through all of those individual cards. And that is such an exciting feeling when you're starting playing a game to have this like huge pool that you can dive into the deep end of whenever you fancy. Um, but also... I think that even though it's like quite complex and definitely confusing if you don't play MOBAs, I think trying to pitch this to someone who hasn't played a sort of a League of Legends or a Dota might be quite difficult. Mm. There is a streamlining to all of the systems that I really, really appreciate. Yeah. It's not a complicated game, is it? Like I was expecting it to be a lot fiddlier. Some of the, the, the trickiness comes from like, yeah, if you don't have an understanding of those games, then some of the rules might seem a bit Byzantine. But actually, <laughs> in terms of how it plays out, it's pretty simple like it's not a lot to it like you have uh, you know you only have five cards at any one time those five cards you, each round you're going to have a maximum of four different actions so you're always going to have one of those cards that you don't use and everyone at the same time picks what card they want to use in the current turn puts them face down onto a little board then you reveal them all and then the order just goes in order initiative and you just carry out your actions and you do the things and most of the cards uh, have the option to use a attack card for example to do a small move instead um and that's very handy because it's a game that comes in like that kind of gloomhaven style initiative sometimes you get to your turn and the thing mm. you were going to do with your thing doesn't exist anymore like you know like oh that's <laughs> that's gone now like i was going to kill that but it's not there or i was going to kill that but i've just been hoofed across the board and now i'm like partially <laughs> in a rock so really that the choices in the game are quite limited, but in a way that does keep it rolling. Because, you know, you're not looking through a big hand of cards at any point. Maximum, you've got five things you can do in the first start of the round. Yeah. As the rounds go on, your choices get fewer and fewer. And especially then the fact that the cards that you're playing have a value that also helps you defend against attacks. And I love how, how basic, in a way, the attack system is of being like, when you attack another hero, they either get the number... A higher number in defense in which case well same or higher and they're alive or they don't and they immediately die there's no health there's no health <laughs> points it's just like do you survive or not and when you hit the little yeah. minion enemies that give you money that are basically uh level up your character there's nothing none of that you just hit them doesn't matter what you hit them for if you hit them you just hit them they're dead there's no that's it yeah dead and that simplicity actually like helps so much because i think without that it would become like a simulation and the game would be overbearing and hellish mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we had kind of a lot of fun in an ameritrashy popcorny way even though there was clearly a lot of depth and we weren't really doing a good job of swimming in that <laughs> the actual blow by blow of the round was was pretty was pretty fast with the exception that we, as we both noted of the first round which just seemed to be like just like in real games you know the first five minutes of dota 2 nothing really happens the first round of that game yeah. nothing really happens in a way that's like this feels weird I think there's a really weird curve to the game, though, where, like, right at the start, nothing really happens. People sort of get into their position, they get ready, they sort of do some basic killing a few minions to get a little bit of cash just to get their character sort of going. But then I do think there's a weird middle point where the game is really exciting and good and all the decisions are made. But then the end of our game had a really weird shape where... So there's two ways you can win. Either you sort of push your little troops into the enemy base by sort of moving this little tug-of-war battle along, or one of the other ways the game could end is if 
you just kill enough of the other team mm. if you've just hit their heroes enough times. And there was a very strange shape to the end of our game where both of us were in quite a precarious position. And it meant that both teams played really cautiously, yeah. very reserved. And that was tense for like a couple of rounds and then might have dragged on a little as the game went yeah. on. And I mean, there was, um, there was also the third way which the game can kind of just run out if the waves keep pushing back and forth enough. Basically, if you drag your feet, then... Yeah. yeah, I think we were on the back foot and I actually quite enjoyed the fact that we were able to kind of like get back in the game by playing incredibly defensively and incredibly yes. oddly in a way that was just frustrating to our team. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, that is an unusual board game experience of like now we're trying mm. to drag the game out. But we did within that have the sense that we weren't just trying to drag the game out for an inevitable loss. It felt like actually we were we were on the line of maybe being able to turn it around. But at any point, if we slipped up even slightly... It was over. Yes. And in the end, we did. We yeah. slipped up slightly and it was over. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. It did kind of feel like it went on slightly too long, but I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the shape of it. I think it's a really interesting um, game, to be honest. Like, it was both simpler than I expected and also kind of just as meaty as I expected. And while I found mm -hmm. that, like, yeah, you're right about the standees and stuff, but I didn't feel like the miniature usage was egregious. I felt like yeah. the fact that there wasn't a lot of waste there. The fact that you have all of these minion creatures, yeah, you have all these big chunky plastic things that go on the board, but they're there all the time, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And there isn't like an excess. It isn't like a hundred zombies or whatever. And all of the characters, the models were cool and you were going to use them all. <laughs> and it wasn't just wastage. It wasn't just like, well, use that once and then never again. It was. It, it is one of those things though where, you know, like we, we bang the drum a lot about miniatures generally. And it is just one of those things where like, this is a team game. It's a game for like lots of people. Hey, I want to bring this thing to a game night. Well, you're going to have to put it in an incredibly large Tesco carrier bag to have it sort of like, you know, transported around anywhere. It's a big, heavy object. And it would have been nice to have seen an alternative version that is like small. Because the thing is, is that... The, I think that huge box makes the game look intimidating when really like this is maybe the perfect entry point into getting horribly addicted to Dota 2. Um, like, oh, I, think that, I think that's still League of Legends, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing is, I think that, you know, if you're going to if you're going to get into that, there's, there's there's better ways. I think it's more that it's scratched an itch for if you have played these kind of games on computers or mobile yeah, phones and yeah. you can't do it as much anymore for whatever reason. It did scratch an itch. And you know what? The size of the box, I felt like it's an interesting one, right? I think you do put it in a smaller box. You get the standees, cardboard. I'd be I'd be more up for that. I like that. But there is something about... It, it did feel like an event game for, for yeah. kind of oh, people for sure. who like those games or people who used to play those games. And mm. I, I found myself fascinated by the fact that we played it 2v2 and I enjoyed it. And my immediate thoughts was, I want to play that again with some different characters. And also, mm -hmm. I want to play the six-player version of this. I want to play 3v3, yeah. which is bonkers. I never play a board game and think, <laughs> I want to play this with six players. Usually, I look on the box and it says five, and I go, really? Yeah? Five? It's going to be fun with five, is it? You sure? And I don't know if it would be fun with six, right? It might be too slow. It might drag. Yeah. But it might be amazing. Um, I think that you have so much more opportunity because one of the things is like obviously so much of the game is about synergy and in the game that we played I played the like the sharpshooter sniper guy but with, yeah, because of my rough, big sniper you had a rough time I was very slow was the problem so every time I'd be like I'm gonna fire my big gun and then everyone moved away and I went ah oh! and then just I never managed to hit anyone <laughs> like and oh, then also I've been <laughs> killed by a bear before I could fire my big gun <laughs> the really frustrating thing was that 
I was plugging all of my stats into damage and I thought that I had like the biggest bullet in the entire game. And then I <laughs> shot that bullet and like everyone could defend it. Like it wasn't, yeah, you were I was so not sure. special. You were like, <laughs> but I can do all this damage now. And I had to keep saying to you, but Tom, like we've all leveled up, Tom. Tom, we've all, <laughs> That's not we've, that much. we're all level four now. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's impressive. We've moved yeah. on. But there, there was some... The, 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 there was some funny stuff in the fact that you know you're having to you were having to discard these cards from your hand that had defense like ratings on them that were high enough to block it. That led yeah. to some really interesting decisions because you know you had the tendency to want to just early go bang and play a really great card, but actually often your best attack cards would often have really good defense values. So you had to be kind of realistic about how much danger you were in currently and holding yeah. back those cards just to use them. And also sometimes if a character just got really battered, then they might not get to do anything on the fourth action or the third action potentially because it's like they just they lost all of their cards giving them a way mm -hmm. to defend that was interesting and it did feel like there was a within a round it felt like that was actually kind of a simulation of health and the fact that you mm. hit someone yeah, fine yeah, yeah. you hit them again that's a bit of a problem and then someone comes in and hits them at the end of the round when they have like no cards there was something interesting yes. about that when it's like you only need to hit someone twice in a round and they're dead, really. Like, hit them once, yeah. defend, and then if you can hit them again at the end. But knowing that you are, like, particularly um, defenseless at the end of a round, I think, again, that's, like, a, a part of the shape of it that I was starting to get a sense of, of, of realizing it's, like, you have to retreat and be, be cautious at that point. You had a really rough ride of it, I think, with your character because you played as a bounty hunter and your whole thing was, like, mm -hmm. putting a mark on someone and then if they got killed, then it was more valuable. But... I was your only teammate, and I was such an odd, flighty, yeah. weirdo that didn't really attack that much. That you were like, "Let's get him," and then I was like, "I'm flying around." <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're supposed to get him, and I'm like, "I'm I'm a big angel with samurai swords." <laughs> if you had somebody else there who was getting them, then uh, I think your, yeah. your game would have felt quite different. Yeah, I, I think that also one of the problems was that I had to be quite close to someone to put my bounty marker on them. And the person who I was often quite close to was a bear. <laughs> was a bear. Who, like, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. spend a turn putting a marker on them because he, the bear would immediately be up in my face. This and is doing true. Some extreme damage and uh, to I me. think I will end on saying, you know, one of the interesting things about the game is yes, you have five cards um, that you can use to mm -hmm. move around this hex based board. And. Um, so two of the cards in your five are just going to stay pretty much the same for the whole game. But then three of the cards uh, are ones that you level up. And these cards, when you level yep. up, you have to replace one of those cards with a new one from the second tier and then the third tier. And the cool thing about this is there's always the second tier of the, the first basic card you get is just a better version of the one you had. But there's always kind of a secondary route where you can actually go, you know what, actually, I'm going to ditch this ability completely mm -hmm. to get this different ability. And I found that that malleability was really interesting. And it, it did feel interestingly like present in a way like often in rpgs you think i'm gonna level up this skill because in the future and it's always in the future i'll be able to xyz whereas this because the fight was constant when you level up you're straight back into the next round you're fighting still you're still there it yeah. felt like you were making decisions to be like what do i need right now like what what yeah, do i need yeah, to get yeah. myself out of this situation and I thought, again, that was a really interesting choice of like, do I pick the thing that's going to save my skin now? Or do I pick the thing mm -hmm. that I think is going to be useful in a round or two? But being able to have that adaptiveness of feeling like, yeah, I'm a little bit fenced in here. I'm being attacked by a bear. But then being able to adapt to a bear and change how you're playing to better suit that. Very cool. Very cool. I think it's a, I was a lot more interested in it than I expected to be. And I'm really keen to play it again. Don't know about you, Tom, but yeah. that's where I'm, that's where I landed with this one. 
I definitely want to play it again. I think that's we will we'll sort of end our podcast discussion here because I think we will end up talking about it maybe in more detail in some other place because it is it's such an interesting game. Like I think it deserves definitely a play at six and with all the the modules in the Tome of Mastery. Tome of Mastery, it's, which is actually it's more of a pamphlet of mastery. But I respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I respect a the brochure, fact, the brochure of mastery. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, the other game we played was a game called Llama Land. It was about llamas, and we had a good time making them a land. Mm, and boy, did that llama land. Yeah, I think we had quite a good time playing this I one. liked it. I liked it quite a lot. <laughs> um, it, it had very cute little wooden llamas. It had very little good shapes. It had stacking oh, yeah. shapes on top of other shapes. But not My in a way goodness. that made me want to scream. So the reason that I actually picked this up was because... On our episode about founders of Teotihuacan, Matt thought that Ava was talking about a game that was stacking tetrominoes on top of tetrominoes, and I endeavoured to find that game, make it a reality. Turns out someone else made it a reality, so I just had to ask them for it. Arguably, you willed it into existence, I think. I'm a god and I can't be stopped. This is Llama Land from Phil Walker-Harding. It's a game about giving llamas a little home. What you're going to be doing in this game is building out a little sort of pile of Tetris pieces, basically. You start with a small square... Uh, of, of spaces that all have different little symbols on them. And then every round, you're going to take a new little Tetris piece and you can stick it onto the side of your, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, a little mountain that you're making um, that's going to be the home of your llamas. But at some point, you're going to start wanting to build up. So you can put Tetris pieces on top of the Tetris pieces that are underneath it to gain sort of resources. Because when you place a Tetris piece on top of, say, a cocoa bean, you get a cocoa bean resource. And what do you do with cocoa beans? You spend them on llamas. You can spend, you can cash in four of any one of the three resources in the game, which are like corn, cocoa, and potato. Potato! Yeah. And you can acquire one of these gorgeous little fluffy llama meeples from the supply, along with a card that's worth some points. But then you have to put that tiny little llama on a little grassy space somewhere on your little mountain. Oh, and you no. can never place a Tetris piece on top of a llama. Oh no, you're blocking yourself with llamas. In real time. Wait, not in real time. That's a different... No, but it's, yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, take it in turns. Be polite. Yeah, Be polite. Just let people be, take their turns. Be kind now. Come on now. But that's basically... I've almost explained the entirety of Llama Land there. It's a little game of building up a sort of Tetris mountain that you're going to cover in llamas. You're going to get cards that are going to get you some points. And there's also a little tiny mini game of acquiring villager cards which you can sort of put in front of you in a little tableau that give you special abilities that let you trade resources or give you bonuses for covering certain spots. It's so simple. Yeah. And I think it's a really solid family game. It's really nice. It, it feels in a way like a fuzzier Baron Park, in a way, and mechanically. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Baron Park has that like very interesting element of expanding your park by getting another whole tile and putting it next to it and then like trying to fill those like perfect squares, mm -hmm. which is very satisfying. And I don't... You know, right out the gate, I'd say I don't think this is as, as satisfying as Baron Park. But I did really like the fact that after you start off with your little board, you can expand outward and you can lay new foundations with your tetrominoes instead of building on top of what you've got. But then you doing that mm -hmm. gets you, you know, these these new villagers that give you these powers. So there was an interesting element of like how how wide do you want to go? Do you want to go very wide? Do you want to go very high? 
how how high can you go before you realize that actually oh gosh i actually now need to start building wide really fast because i've built a tower <laughs> and i have no room to place anything it was simple yeah. enough that it was not frustrating and it was it was satisfying enough that it you know it felt good when you were like and now i get four potatoes because i've got this special person who gets me a bonus mm-hmm. potato and i'm going to spend all my potatoes on a special llama yeah, a real high point scoring llama. There's just enough, I think, just enough points of like friction and sort of like mastery within the game where it's like there are some really satisfying moments where if you've put ex- your Tetris pieces in exactly the right place, you can really like squeeze out a bunch of resources from just placing one tile. Like it feels kind of bad when you put a big tile down, you get like one or two things. But when you cover up every single space and you perfectly socket the piece in, it feels very good. And then also what you're saying about you can expand the sort of base of your mountain or you can go upwards. Expanding the base of your mountain gets you these objectives. That's it. And that's a really nice little point of friction where you don't know whether... You know, you want to build up so you can get a nice high point scoring llama, but can you trust that your, you know, opponent across the table isn't going to take exactly the objective you want by expanding their territory? Exactly. So you do that this round. Exactly. It's, it's quite sharp. It is. Surprisingly there sharp. Was, there was a definite, like, lose-lose choices going on here. Like, you know, that's <laughs> it. Like, by expanding, you're putting down something on nothing, which means you're not getting any resources because you're covering up nothing but your table. And that doesn't feel great, <laughs> especially when, you know, other people are maybe raking in the potatoes and buying all the potato llamas. And as these llamas decrease in points, as the stack of cards goes down, you really want to be getting llamas fast because they're just worth a lot more. But yeah. by, by literally building out that foundation, you are then also able to snag these, these end of game scoring things. And the fact that it was like when someone's put a token on one of those, then you can only take the second um prize for that objective which was usually yeah. like half as much sometimes yeah. more more kind than that but really mean and especially because we were really able to go for quite a lot of them you know i think you know you think i'm going to go for these four objectives and then you realize that actually mm-hmm. one player's already taken the top spot on two of them and it's like damn <laughs> so that back and forth between like do i need to secure these objectives or do i need to secure the most expensive llamas and if i go out of my way to secure all the objectives is the other player then just going to make it really hard for me to do that by snaffling up stuff like i was very close to sneaking away the last corn llama from your hands yes which would have really I put you in a bad bad position it would have damaged me. I think you graciously were going to do a take. You were going yeah. to do a take backseat, and you did not take backseat. But you still won. So it didn't it's feel fine. like a take backseat game. It didn't feel like a kind of like no. come back to the table. No, Tabitha and Cynthia, come back. Dad's got to go back a turn, so I can beat you both <laughs> at Llama Land. And they're like six or something. Yeah. No, it didn't feel yeah. right. But yeah, I I felt like it was easier to to teach than Baron Park and easier mm-hmm. to get into and simultaneously felt like you had a little more interaction between players but also less toothiness you didn't have that kind of like somebody's just taken the exact piece i wanted someone's just taken the last koala bears i hate them um yeah it was <laughs> but it but it somehow lacked that kind of like it doesn't have a golden bear moment you know that little slotting yeah. in the golden bear statue and finishing off a thing Ooh, it's, the uh, golden bear moment 
is 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 kind of irreplicable. It's a magic moment. I mean, the closest you can get is sort of like sinking a llama in, in, in a spot that you're never going to return to. There was I played a game of this fairly recently where uh, I ended up making sort of like a big pit of llamas, and that was quite satisfying <laughs> to watch unfold. Just a perfect get three by three grid llama of llamas pit. in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's nice. That's nice. It's where they belong. And I guess yeah. And that was my golden bear moment. I mean, that that makes sense, especially you know with the the achievements being slightly randomized it means that like you yeah know, we were trying to get llamas quite high up in our game mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah i can imagine llama pit would be one of them yeah it doesn't yeah i guess pretty much it's definitely more pleasing to look at like the, the fact that you're building this very fun hilly thing and then putting these genuinely very delightful little llama meeples on top of things yes and making it a landscape felt very joyful uh, the character art on the cards was just slightly demented in a way which which gave us joy. <laughs> um, but it doesn't... Yeah, I think the magic of Baron Park, I think, is that it uses like Tetronimo-style shapes. And it has that Tetris moment. You know, it's like you've, you've filled out a perfect thing. Something happens. Obviously, it doesn't mean yes. that like some bears are eradicated from existence in a line. <laughs> but something has happened. Whereas I think like if you imagine uh-huh. playing Tetris and you, you fill a line and nothing happens and it just carries on. In fact, that would be amazing. Just call it like joke Tetris. It's just Tetris, but it doesn't matter what you do. It just keeps going up and then you lose. You're a genius. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the vibe. It's it's messier and more aesthetically fun, but that sensation mm. of not being rewarded enough for that perfect neatness. Because you do get the overlap neatness if I've just overlapped two potatoes and two coffee beans, which is exactly what I need. But it felt hard to really like create because you couldn't lay over things that that were slightly wonky it had to be laying something over completely flat it felt hard to make that kind of like super juicy one where you put something down and all of the squares yes. fall. i don't think you can yeah do that. no or if you can it must be really hard i 100 percent know what you mean like I, I i absolutely like i think that's kind of the core of it is that at the end of llama land you do end up with a very aesthetically pleasing object to look at mm. and the process of building it out is very tact very, very like tactile and pleasing which is why i think it's a good game for like families with not like young young kids but younger kids than maybe would sort of i don't know how complicated baron park is to be fair i don't know if it's actually if it's if llama land is actually more complex than baron park um, but the but the tactility of building that thing out is definitely more sort of like kid friendly, I suppose. I think there's some phases to Bar and Park that make it slightly fiddly. The fact that you're not just <laughs> taking a piece and then placing it, the fact that you kind of have a little cachet of pieces that you can always place, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. it's like they're good rules, right? It works, but something about this is much more immediate of just take a piece, put it on. Like it's just yeah. it's it's simple. But yeah, I think it reminded me a lot of Altiplano and the fact that Altiplano is also like <laughs> not that amazing. Also features llamas, but it's just a very pleasant thing to sit around a table and do. It's just that that yes. is a, quite a heavy Euro-y thing that goes on for way too long. And this is just an incredibly light, um, fun thing. So it's just it's just a nice time with llamas. And if someone was like, yeah. do you want to play this? I'd be like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if someone was like, should I get this and replace Baron Park? I'd say, I don't know. Maybe if you've got little kids. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know about that. But hey, we can't. I want to play Baron all, Park again. We can't all be Baron Parks. Have you ever played it with the monorails? No. It's fun. They're kind of wobbly. They fall over a little bit. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Very satisfying. <laughs> I've got it in the cupboard. I have to have, have a little Baron Park afternoon one time. Get your yeah, beers out. Get let's... your beers out of the cupboard. That's it for this week's episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. We talked about Guards of Atlantis 2. 
We talked about Llama Land. And now we're very, very briefly going to talk about the video that went out this week. It's a video about Scout. Scout. It's a card game. It's for two to five players. And it's really good. It's and so it's, good. It's really out. It's really out of stock. It's I'm sorry. Really out of stock. But the oh. good news is you can make your own by getting a whole deck of cards <laughs> and painstakingly <laughs> copying all of the, the, the details on those cards onto your own cards. And yeah, you can them into a cut box. your deck of playing cards in half and then stitch the halves Glue of the cards together. together. That's to quite make your own. That's copy quite of Scout. a fun project. Like little I'd fun imagine craft project. That it would be very hard to seamlessly stick together card halves. <laughs> cut yeah, diagonally. I like the idea that each half of the card is connected to the other half with like string. It's like you've like just poked holes in both cards and it's just dangling. You could do it with like <laughs> if you used if you used two decks of cards and you got like what each one card was like a back and then you cut a card diagonally uh-huh. and then stuck the other heart diagonal bits onto the yes. cards. But then you'd have double yep. thick cards that would be gluey and horrible. Just don't do this. Just wait until it's back no, in stock. Because it. Um, it will be eventually. Yeah, yeah it's an oink game. It's, great. it's in a little box. And it's very colourful box with a very silly theme about circuses that doesn't really land. Um, but gosh, I was very gutted not to be a part of this video. Tom <laughs> went ahead and made this video this week, as as was his right. But it's just such a great <laughs> game that I've been carrying it around in my backpack and just putting it on the table whenever I can because it's so simple, it's so immediate, and as soon as you play around, people are just like, let's go again, let's go again. It's yeah, it's yeah. It's got classic card game written through it like a big stick of classic rock. <laughs> Someone in the in the YouTube comments said that it, or, or the Reddit comments, or, so, or somewhere, said that it has almost like a, a smoky card game table feel. Mm. And like, if it didn't have its like luminous day glow circus theme, I can totally like that feeling of like when you're sat there and someone triple threes. And like, Ooh, well, I've got to run. I've got a quadruple five. Ooh, and there's like, I don't know. There is definitely something very classic about like the whole feel of the game. It's just so, so sort of robust. And it has, I think the thing is, is that some people have sort of almost found that it has too much luck involved that, you know, you could get dealt like a poor hand, but that's kind of card games. That's kind of that's in cards. the root of yeah. like all those kind of classic card games is that it's making the best of a hand that you are dealt. And it's why you play um, rounds and, and, play for scores you know it's it's why yeah. you you're you're there trying to mitigate luck and you might have bad luck mm-hmm. every single time but it, it's just your job to try and mitigate it as best you can and come <laughs> out of it and i think it does have a lovely gambling mechanic as well i really adore yeah. the fact that you might have a hand that's terrible but if you can just grab the right handful of cards to slot in it's the best mm-hmm. thing in the world it's just like yes but then can you do that and get it on the table before <laughs> the round ends and that is just wonderful yeah. of having people it is very much like a card game that instills the spirit of gambling into itself without there being any money involved. Of people just just mm-hmm. investing more and more in this thing of being like, just put it a bit more, put it a bit more, and then it's like, no, you're bust. And actually, you know, you've you've lost more points now because you because you gambled. <laughs> you were like, you know, you you yeah. you accrued point debt that you didn't manage to get rid of. It's it's a treat. It's so good. And you should watch Tom's video on it because it's it's fabulous and silly and wild and a little bit loose and probably short. And I reckon that whole video is actually smaller than the box. I think the video is smaller <laughs> than the box that the Scout comes in. It's so small. And you can see me losing my mind in real time as I make it. I sort of just like some of my animations. I was telling Matt just earlier, some of my animations just didn't work. I, I kind of just left them in because I think that they kind of work. 
but they're just kind of like a bit a bit nuts. So classic, bit of a strange video. Broken fun. Well, we're going to enjoy yeah. that. And if you've enjoyed uh, listening to us lose our minds in real time on this week's episode of the Shut Up Sit Down podcast, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for listening. We will see you next week for another episode of a podcast about board games. Board games. Bye. Bye.